listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me today, the one and only Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. It's uh, It's been a couple of weeks. We are full-blown into our summer schedule, and uh, we will be talking about the the playoffs here in just a second. We do have a little bit of Flyers news to get to before that. Uh, in the meantime, before we jump into today's show, uh, check out our YouTube channel. Search You Would Think over on YouTube, and uh, you can find us over there. Our episodes go up usually about 8 o'clock on Sunday nights, so uh, you can find us over there. All right, getting right into it. Um, Flyers really are the bell of the ball in the free agent coaching market, huh? They're, I think they're the team with the, that carries some of the most intrigue. I mean, okay. I don't know if they're the tops, but they're one of the tops in terms of in terms I, of intrigue. Because the question about Hotley, and I think we mentioned this last last show, the question about, and I know I talked about it this week on on ninety seven three as well. The question about the intrigue or the attractiveness of the job has come up a lot in the last couple of weeks. Like now right. that the now that the search can really get going, it's a question of. You know, how attractive is this job compared to blank? And obviously, there's been some changes in the coaching market in the last couple of weeks. Yep. The Islanders have made their choice. They stuck with in-house. And, I, you know, in, in all fairness, they they made the right call in the sense that if you had to make a coaching change, they did not. But if you had to, as the Islanders, you knew Lane Lambert was going to get phone calls. Right. Because he's a highly touted assistant in the league. So, that seemed like a natural move for them. So, okay, that's fine. But it takes them off the pick. Like, they're out of the picture now. Right. So you're, you, you're looking at, you know, Winnipeg, Detroit. And for a while, that's really all that there was. Uh, you know, I think it's pretty safe to say that Edmonton does not have a coaching vacancy anymore. Uh, because, no. And uh, we'll get into the reason why, obviously, when we get to the playoff stuff. I, th- I don't think they have a vacancy right now. <laughs> right. E- even if they do, I you know, the longer that all this plays out in the playoffs, the less likely they are to get anybody who's, you know, any of the maybe, high value that, targets. Well, maybe that's. I don't want to say that because there's so many guys out there that are. You're not that wrong. They could still get somebody, but I don't know that you would turn. Like I think at this point, I think you wouldn't turn the page permanently to anything more than what's currently working. And I, you know, there's when we get to the Edmonton thing, we'll go into more of that like with the playoff stuff. But the celebration sure. at the end when they win, kind of, you know, from a coaching standpoint, he looks like he knows something's working, and there's. You know, that, that little bit of magic dust that gets sprinkled over a team in the playoffs. Yep. Something's going on there, and in a good way, obviously. I, so they don't really have a concern. I agree. I'm, I am curious about Florida now, and we'll get into them in the playoffs as well, but I'm curious about Florida because that question's going to come up. Yeah, the fact um, the fact that we don't know, and it's it's already right. been several days, is is interesting. No, I think that that, clar- that, that, that gives you some clarity, to be honest. Because if, okay. if it was something, I think you would jump right in. Okay. But... They, they, they also haven't affirmatively removed the interim tag either. Well, that's that, what I I'm saying. Is, I guess right. is the question. But, the fact that it's still up in the air one way or the other. Right. Um, but then – and then you add in – we've talked already about Vegas and Dallas and, you know, those so, vacancies coming in as well. So that you've got a few. There's still a few teams out there. Yeah, and so the Flyers have interviewed as of right now that we – definitively that we definitively know of we're looking at three names right right could be more i I feel like we'd know a lot more about the other names if there were but let's get to the let's start with those guys right we we got john tortorella who we talked we've talked about a little bit on this show who confirmed it live on the air 
that he interviewed for the Philadelphia <laughs> Flyers head coaching job. Uh, we have Barry Trotz, who confirmed that he interviewed for this job as well as the Winnipeg job. I believe he's confirmed. Uh, I, that, I don't know. Right? No, I don't know if he's confirmed it directly. Like Tortorella directly confirmed it himself. Okay, you're right. Um, in Trotz, it has it, it has been confirmed. Correct. In Trotz's case, right. it has been confirmed that he right. has interviewed for two jobs. Um, and then, and then the third the name on the recent... list is a little bit, a little bit out of nowhere. If you're not paying super close attention, a guy named Mike Vellucci. Right. Tell us, and, tell us and, who like, Mike Vellucci is. Okay, Mike Vellucci is a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's right now he's an assistant coach for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, has been in the organization for the last three years. Coached one season as the head coach slash GM of the AHL team in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, and before that was involved with the Carolina org- organization. I find this decision to interview him to be fascinating for this reason. His position with Carolina, because he coached for a while. He coached for a long time, you know, levels below. You know, level right, below the man has AHL. put his dues in. Oh, yeah. This this is a progression. Like, this is a guy who has not co- had been a head coach at the NHL level, but has done just about everything else that you can think of. Here's the interesting part to me, especially when you're when you consider the state of the team and what and this kind of, you know, because let's put it this way. Let's talk about this with Barry Trotz for one second before I get into it with Volucci, because Barry Trotz, no secret, kind of has his eyes on management post coaching. Correct. Like it's sure. been out there. OK, so you start to think about in Trotz's case, if you're going to go somewhere and coach, you're probably going to end up going wherever you think the easiest transition will be. Okay. If that's Winnipeg, that's Winnipeg. If they see a path where even if it's just you're coaching for three years and when you're done coaching in the three years, you're going to move straight to the front office. And we've talked about Winnipeg being home for him. So there are other right. factors at play there. Well, as well, right. But I'm saying like if that's if that's a way a game plan that they want to go with, right. then that might work in his favor. If the Flyers are sitting here saying, listen, we're not really looking for anybody who comes into the general manager position or anything close to that. We strictly are talking coaching here. Right. We're looking at a bench boss job, and that's right. it. I don't know that he's necessarily interested in in t- in the typical, here's a five-year coaching contract. Okay. Right? Like, like I don't know. I, I don't want to dismiss it. He's interviewed with the Flyers. We can't take that away, but I don't want to dismiss it. And, 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 and from the Flyers' standpoint, like, that's what I'm saying. I don't want to also dismiss the fact that they may be so hardened on, hey, we're looking for a coach. We're just looking for a coach. No in, no input on the on the construction of the roster itself. Right. You're going to get pl- – here's right. your players. Find a way to make it work, right? Like, that's – and that could, like, that could very well be the case. What would make it interesting to me is Volucci spent a long time. He spent five years with Carolina, eventually shifting over to coach the Charlotte Checkers in the AHL where he was coach slash GM again. Right. But prior to that, and during the two years, he's coaching the team in Charlotte, the AHL team. He's also got the title of assistant GM and director of hockey ops for Carolina. Interesting. Now you tell me why you would be interested in a coach at this point. Who helped assemble the current Carolina Hurricanes. Who had his hands all over the current Carolina Hurricanes. Exactly. Hi, the team that's in the Eastern Conference, or the one game away from the Eastern Conference final. Yes. We'll talk about that later, right? But but what? Well, but that has been among the best teams in the NHL regular season wise for going on at least three years now, right? Since his players would have come up and made an impact, right? Now, granted, the last three years and all this time, he's got nothing to do with them. He had, sure, but let's put it this way: you can't deny that every year we ask the question. 
is this it for Pittsburgh? Are they done? You know, is that is the are the glory years over? And it, just about every year, they're getting something out of somebody, right? You know, and he's part of that bench, whether you you know whether you like it or not. Like he's part of that group. Yep, he's finding a way to do something in his role under Mike Sullivan that works for that team that gets them into the playoffs. I mean, let's put it this way: do, Are they the team that we're talking about against Carolina right now? If they have a goalie for the whole series, I mean, possibly, right? right? And if that's the case, then they didn't even interview him. Yep. And it, and if that's the case, he becomes an even more attractive name because of the fact that they were in a position. They were up three to one in the yep. series. By all accounts, it looked like they were going to move on. I yeah. don't think that he specifically is responsible for them not moving on. No, I, I agree. That's fair. You know what I mean? Um, but if if he I'd be curious to see how much of a part he played in the development of guys like Jacob Slavin, like Brett Pesci, like Sebastian Ajo, Toivo Taravainen. And I think like these guys that came up through the organization, mm-hmm. if if he was a part of the – let's assume that these timelines match up here and he's the coach slash GM of the AHL team when all these guys are coming up through the AHL. Mm-hmm. Well, well, let's let's be real. Who's the biggest name you can tie to his time there? It's an easy one from the from the draft. Did he draft Sebastian Ajo? No, I was thinking Svechnikov. Oh, Svech- I mean, Svechnikov okay. went second overall right in the middle of that era, like he, of that period, that those five years. Because okay. we're talking the last three with the Pittsburgh organization. So he's coaching the minor league team in 1920, and he's an assistant in 2021 and 2122 for Pittsburgh. Okay. okay. So the years before that, we're talking five years that ends in 2019. So you're talking like 2014. So 15. everybody up until that, he so the whole team, just the whole just a, team, just about. I mean, and granted, that includes anything that you decided to do to bring somebody. Like, you know, another guy who's directly tied to him that's not there right now that whose name should have been coming up last night for sure. Okay. He he had everything to do with, or not everything, but he had part of everything to do with Alex Nedeljkovich. Okay. Like. Yep. That's a goalie who's playing in Charlotte. While I he's, still can't he's, believe they let him walk. But he's that's a goalie who not only was part of the, like part of the development process during his years as an assistant GM or whatever. He coached him in the minors. Like those it's, years, he's coaching Charlotte. Nedeljkovic is there. Right. Yeah. So Mike Vellucci is definitely a name to keep an eye on. I know he doesn't have the the name, the national star value of but a Trotz or a Tortorella. Yes. But the guy has the resume. The guy has done everything there is to do at the minor league level. If you're going to give a new coach a shot, this is how you do it. This is the correct right. kind of guy to hire, right? He, uh, this guy or a guy like Kirk Muller coming out of Montreal who's gotten a little bit of a well, shot before but not really. Well, now he was with Calgary, by the way. So Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, everybody everybody who listens to us is going to know him from Montreal because there was – I mean, you, you can't deny there was a whole beef that happened in the bubble when, you know, with Brendan Gallagher and all yep. this stuff and, the vi- and, you know, the video gate where they had an angle that nobody else had, sent it to the league. Crazy, you know, got Just Matt crazy. Niskanen suspended for a game as a result. Still didn't win the game. I, we talked about it a little bit before the show. The bubble was insane. <laughs> the whole thing was, yeah. Just that whole thing, that whole summer, that whole month of August is well, it's a fever really, dream. 
it's really funny to watch the ties to the bubble now that are coming up in this coaching search. Yeah. Because let's put it this way again. We already mentioned the three names we can like the, again that can be confirmed to have interviewed with the Flyers. Kirk Muller, Elliot Friedman said has they have interest in potentially, and we'll right. see how interested they are now that Calgary's not in the playoffs anymore. Like once that's the whole with any of these assistant coaches, Vellucci included. That's the whole interesting tie, right? If they're coaching a playoff team as an assistant coach, you can't do anything until the team's not playing. Right. So you're stuck waiting for these moments when you go, okay, now let's see how interested they really are. Because we can talk interest all we want to in Kirk Muller, in Jim Montgomery. Nothing's firm until we start seeing the stuff about they interviewed them or they right. contacted them. And until that happens – it's nothing more than a rumor that they're interested. Yep. And now that Mueller's out of the playoffs and now that Montgomery's out of the playoffs, now we should start like, here it comes. Like right. we already, now we've got these three names. We got like, at least like they're real. They are doing what they said or what we've heard that they are going to do, which is leaving no stone unturned. Because right. if you're talking to the likes of Trotz and Tortorella, interviewing a guy like Vellucci, planning to talk to, either a you know a Jim Montgomery or a Kirk Muller or whatever like you're all over the map you're right. covering every bit of whatever well, that you and can you know it's a it's a good time to start looking here this is when the coaching search is kind of going to ramp up in earnest because nobody fires their coach after a third round exit right well, you can you can yeah. fire your coach after a first round exit i think Jared Bednar might have had a conversation if they had lost in the second round again but generally He's, speaking, yeah. all the coaches that have been fired have been fired. Right. The only holdup with anybody that's still left is if there is an assistant on the bench for those teams that you right. want to jump in on. Because that's that's the biggest holdup with those teams. Because if you're a team in the conference final or eventually the Stanley Cup final, at like – you know, it, and you are an assistant on those teams. Your your value is skyrocketing right now because of the fact that you know, like everybody out there is going to sit there and look. And not that it, like, like, uh, um, because who's the guy? There's another name that I've heard mentioned before. Um, I'm going to look it up really quick. Okay. To make sure I say the name right, but I'm going to. Oh, 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 oh um, coming out of Europe. No, 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 no. Oh, you're not. That's not who I'm thinking nope. of. Derek Lalonde. Oh, who is, okay. Who's an assistant for the Tampa Bay Lightning? Now you know if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning or any other team in the league, you know you're not getting a John Cooper out of a Tampa Bay Lightning team because that he's not going anywhere. But you right. certainly, after two, at least two, potentially three Stanley Cups in a row, you may be calling for one of the assistants going, hey, you know what? I That's the guy I want coaching my That's fair. I was, that, Rickard, wait. I was thinking of Rickard Gronberg, and they're, they're not going to get Gronberg, but it would be great. That's um, – uh, I had heard about him. Yes. He's um, the Swedish coach, right? Yes. Okay. Is he coaching the – he coached – because he coaches the world junior team usually. Is he coaching the world's team right now? Uh, I believe so, yes. Okay, because – I've mentioned David Quinn on here before too, and he's coaching the world, like the U.S. World Team. So, so there you go. Like, it, you got guys who are out there doing stuff that all can come up at any point. And and among those guys, because look, I've long, I'm not going to sit here and jump the gun on a guy like Mueller and say for sure, like, 
that was Friedman saying that was the first time I've heard his name come up in conversation. Okay. It is not a secret that Jim Montgomery's name has come up a lot. I, right. And like, why wouldn't he? Right. Like, like he, that he's going to be, for. he's going to be involved in every, like all of these coaching vacancies. He's going to interview in Vegas. He's going to like everyone with a vacancy is calling. They, Jim, or, Jim well, Montgomery. They, they should. Right. If they're they not, do. they're doing their organization a failure. Well, either that or that or very clearly they have like, like, I don't know if Vegas wants the, um, the redemption tour project that okay. Montgomery is. Or if they just want to go in and go, listen, I'm calling Barry Trotz because Vegas, I know. You know I was going to say Vegas, Vegas wants has their talent. best chance to win. Yes, because right. you you got to acknowledge where Vegas is. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm and, still waiting. I'm still waiting for Vegas to go full evil empire and talk to Q. <laughs> Tell me you can't say it. It's not that I can't see it. I do have to make note that not first of all, there's not a lot of buzz about a lot of the like. If if nothing else, the, there's the most information it's out there, or at least the team that seems to be talking to the most people, is the Flyers. Yeah, oh, like, they've they've like, definitely been ever, the most publicly active. Right, like I don't ever hear right now, at least, anything about, like, all you ever hear when Vegas comes up is Vegas is a possibility, but it's like there's a but statement, like, but they haven't talked to anybody. Speaking of Vegas, uh, what are your thoughts on the Philadelphia Flyers potentially hiring Pete DeBoer? Because, I mean... To, it, it's no different than a lot of the veteran coaches that are out there for me anyway, because to me, it, you know, I, I think it would work for a year or two in terms of like, yeah, he'll, he'll come in and, you know, he'll come in kind of ready to make, make the changes that he feels are necessary and it might pay off in the early going here. He's a blank check coach. He probably is to the people right. who and, write those checks. I'm and if sure. You, if you've been listening to us for a while, you've heard us talk about the blank check mentality. And and if the Flyers are going to attempt to slap a Band-Aid on it and win next year, you hire a guy like Pete DeBoer or John Tortorella or, I mean, to a lesser extent, Barry Trotz, just because I think Barry Trotz is a generally excellent okay, coach and, and you hire him regardless. Trotz, to me, is legitimately the blank check coach. There's uh, not a value and there's not a money amount that you could come up with that I wouldn't tell you he deserves from somebody. That's fair. Tortorella, I think, knows – Tortorella, I think, knows the situation. Not with the Flyers I'm talking about, but in general. He didn't coach last year. These coaches that usually take, and I don't want to say that because let's just wait. Elaine Vigneault took a year off, came back, started coaching the Flyers, and made some money. Like right. it's not like it doesn't happen. But I think a coach like Tortorella knows the importance of the resources of the organization and understands how it looks to kind of have been out of the game for a year and wanting to come back in. I I don't think DeBoer is worth whatever you would give Trotz, you know, and probably not even Tortorella. I agree. Like. So uh, it's hard. Like I'm not. I I get like where you're coming from is right in theory. They're the blank check coaches in the sense that if you want to go out and get a guy like that, you're starting to write the check and you sure. write and you write a big check. This isn't Jim Montgomery or David Quinn or the assistant coach that you find attractive out there that you go, okay, that's the direction I want to go, and I'm paying the guy a million dollars or one point five to coach my team. Right. Well, and I I am interested. Because we have seen the aggression in the Tortorella and the Trots and, you know, we've heard interest about some other, you know, kind of more immediate names. That's why the Mike Vellucci interview fascinates me so much, because that seems to be more in line with what you and I have been talking about and more in, certainly line, with in line with me. Yeah. Setting up a little bit of a rebuild and taking two, three, four years and really 
setting the franchise up for long-term sustainable success. And and I'm kind of getting my hopes up because, like, I know they're going to go with the flashy, loudmouth name. They probably will. Right. Well, like, here's the best way I can break this down. Because, first of all, here's the reason why Vellucci sounds so good to me. And I hadn't really considered him before, maybe because we we knew what names were kind of out there. And I kind of just thought, listen, it doesn't have to be a guy who wants to or has in the past gotten his hands on either development directly. Like, like developing a roster, I mean. Not player development, but like... Creating a roster. He doesn't have to be the guy who builds the thing. He just has to be the guy who knows how to implement a system and help players grow to their fullest. He knows how to drive the bus. I kind of said that stuff because I really didn't believe in, you know, in my heart here that they wanted that they were going to go out and even consider a guy who had any connections to a front office ever before. That's why I think it's going to break my heart when they hire Tortorello because they gave us the tease with oh, we could have gotten you know, Vellucci could have gotten a guy who would actually set us up for a long term. Well, it, it, the thing about Vellucci, the reason why I like it is because of the fact that to me it only adds the pressure that's already on a you know a Chuck Fletcher and, and company. And also screw on Hextall, am I right? <laughs> I guess. Um, but I remember it, the Mark Friedman waiver claim, Ron. But but it it only adds to the pressure that they're under to build it even better because now you've got a coach who should have his input. And heard well. I mean, you're not hiring that guy just as your coach at that point. No, no. And and he, that coach might be his only title, but you're hiring him and full on, I think, asking him, evaluate our talent from that standpoint. Evaluate it like an assistant GM. Evaluate it like you, you run the team. Evaluate this team and then give us some input on what we're missing. You know, like I think all of that stuff comes into play. And I would fe- I would feel that way a little bit about Trotz to that extent because Trotz has not made it, you know, it's not secret that he wants to have that kind of role in the future. So I know he's going to evaluate the team. Yeah, I I think Chuck Fletcher would view Barry Trotz as uh, a bit well, that's of a what threat. I'm, but that's why I'm saying I, yeah. I if but if you're if you're going to view Barry Trotz as a threat based on that, then Mike Vellucci's a huge threat. Uh, that's fair, but uh, like, I I think. I think Chuck Fletcher is directly worried about his job. And I don't think Mike Vellucci, a guy who hasn't coached in the NHL, is going to be getting a GM job within three or four right. years. Well, right. but this Whereas is, Barry Trotz. But I don't, I, can, I don't think Barry Trotz is going to get a GM job. I think Barry Trotz just wants to move into like right. the special assistant, the advisory role. Right. If but if he, does that, advis- if he does that for one year right. and does well and Chuck Fletcher gets fired, well, I'm, I'm not he just slides agree- right in. Okay, and here's the reason why I'm kind of shaking my head at that. Chuck Fletcher doesn't have that kind of time. That's fair. Like, Chuck Fletcher has... Well, I'm assuming that the first three years with Barry Trotz coaching work out fairly well, and that's why Chuck Fletcher's still there in four years. Well, right, but see, at that point, then you're not worried about whether or not the guy has management say anymore. You're You're right. You're not. Like, to me, the the reason why if you don't hire Barry Trotz, if you don't even hire Mike Vellucci, and I don't, you know... I don't see any reason why if you – like, okay, I can understand why you wouldn't get Barry Trotz. I don't understand why you may not be able to get a Mike Vellucci, who's never coached at the NHL level as a head coach, like, who may – like, after all of these years in the league, probably wants it. Oh, yeah. Like, like, that's the guy – like, 
because I brought up earlier the attractiveness of the of the position. Because there's a lot of people that are putting it at the bottom of the list and are saying like it never usually used to be this way that people didn't want to come to a team like this. Can you blame them? The, no, I don't. But what, what I'm saying is, what, what roster would you rather coach, the Philadelphia Flyers or the current Detroit Red Wings? I agree. I'm, I, I already because I agree with what, where you're going with that. What I'm saying is, there's a difference between like if you're Jim Montgomery, who was a head coach for a year and a half, had issues, personal issues, and did something that, according to the team's official release, when all of it happened, was contact or conduct that was unacceptable, detrimental to the team, all that type of stuff, right? Like, if you're looking for the redemption tour, there is no job that's unattractive to you. You want to go anywhere there's an opening. Anybody who's willing to give you the shot. If you're an assistant who's never coached before, has been a head coach at the NHL level, you're interested in everything because you know it's your opportunity to con- to be in command. Right. If that's like, I understand that the jobs may not be the most attractive out there to Trotz or Tortorella or you name it, you know, Deborah. Paul Maurice, like any of these guys who have been out of a job that were coaching before and have coached for a long time and are ranking in the top 15 in coaching with, I get it. It shouldn't be to a guy like Vellucci. Like Vellucci should sit there and look at the, at the possibility and say, you know what? This would be a huge opportunity. He's all and not, not to mention he's already in the state. He's coaching across the state, right? Like it's not exactly a huge move. No, he could rent a U-Haul and drive the Pennsylvania Turnpike. It's it's about five right. hours. So that's like because that's another thing that comes up. Does somebody want to move? You know, be close to where they previously were. You know, that type of stuff. Like you you would be starting a new life. And coaches, there's coaches who do it, and there's coaches who kind of are. No, I'm going to stick to this. Like it's, it's uh, and it's different for coaches than it is for players. I think this is a guy who probably wants a shot to coach and is willing to move to do it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it, he's not. I'm, what I'm getting at is, is that there really shouldn't be anything that that holds you back from hiring a guy like Mike Vellucci, except with the exception of that you feel threatened by his hockey ops experience. Man. Like it's the truth, though. That's a that's a hire. If you don't go after this guy, the main reason, unless it is to get a coach that you feel is way more qualified, right. like a trots, the only reason you don't do this is because you have too much of an ego in your own mind that I don't want to. I don't want to be threatened in my job. I, I want to keep I, like it is to me. It there's, is. There's there's also something to be said for. I don't necessarily want to be the first team to give this guy a shot. Because what if he sucks? Like, what no. if it what if it just doesn't translate? And the problem with that thinking is there's quite literally, I think, almost no way to suck worse than what you've done in the last two years. That you're sitting here going, "What if?" Like, honestly, if you're sitting, if you're going into it, it afraid that an assistant that you hire is going to suck, then you, then you don't get where you are. So did did the Flyers hit rock bottom this season? I mean, not not completely because they didn't finish dead last, and okay, you know, because I mean, the, just the way you said, you know, there's there's almost no way to suck worse. Like I I don't disagree with you. Like like to me, I'm, I'm like to me, I'm saying that not from a coaching standpoint. Like to me, if if you've got experienced head coaches, Elaine Vigneault was coaching this team at the start of the year. You've got Michelle Terrian and Mike Yo on the bench as assistants, who also have head coaching experience. You fire two of them. You put Mike Yo in the spot, and by the end of the year, Mike Yo's telling you. You could have Scotty Bowman or Toe Blake coaching this team, and it wouldn't win a game. Then you can't get worse with any assistant in the league, if that's the way you're talking. Yeah, but they're going to throw a whole heaping pile of money at Nazem Kadri and Johnny Gaudreau. 
They can <laughs> so try. Well, they fine. can try. They can try to. I don't uh, know that they'll even get the opportunity. All right. But we don't like, have anything definitive about this Flyers head coach. No, search. like, uh, like I'm just saying. To me, that's a guy who, like, if you don't, if you're not interested in hiring that guy, ultimately, I think you feel like it's a threat to your position in the front office because of his front office experience. There's a difference between looking at him as an assistant, and we all know that the call for Jim Montgomery is probably coming at some point. Sure, we've, we, you know, we've heard other names too. I don't, I don't want to gloss over the fact that we haven't mentioned Rick Tockett, who Friedman keeps bringing up. By the way, Elliot Friedman has brought up regularly. That he thinks he's going to get an interview. It's and, crazy. It's crazy that we're talking might be higher on other teams' lists than the Flyers. I don't think it is. I really don't because Chuck Fletcher has kind of always had this out of outside the organization mentality. It's not Chuck Fletcher. I'm worried about. Then who are you worried about? You know who I'm worried about. What, I'm worried about Dave? the people who are telling Chuck Fletcher what to do. Robert Earl Clark. Okay, then and I'm Bob gonna, Holmgren. Uh, I'm stopping Paul Holmgren. I'm stopping you right there then because I want you to tell me right now because John Tortorella got an interview this week, right? Yeah. Oh, I'd pay money to see him and Bobby Clark publicly fist fight. No, no, no. That's not Um, what I'm saying. The way that it's been phrased is that there are people in the organization who are really high on Tortorella. Yeah, I know. I wonder who. Uh Uh-huh. Come on. Like, it it, it couldn't be more obvious. Hey, Paul. I don't even think hey, it's Bob. I don't think it's Paul Holmgren even. I just I think it's straight up if Bobby Clark has his hands all over any decision here. Hey, hey Bob. That's who he wants. It's not 1978 anymore, Bob. Now here can I make a counter though in in defense of Tortorella? Yeah, yeah sure. I don't mind torts for the record. Right, cuz I don't think that he's doesn't have his doesn't have a pulse on today's. He does a little bit. Like he, he there are times where he says something like awful that doesn't met that doesn't I, mesh with today's game at all. I like, think half of that is him just being a devil's advocate for TV. To be honest with you, it might and it might be. It could be as much because he represents the grumpy old white guy. Like well, he, and, he, well, and here's the thing: it could be as much of a bit as Taka taking the phone call on TNT was when AB right. got fired. Right? Like it could be as much of a bit as that was, but. Let's wait, wait. This was the guy who tried to tell you, and this is a good transition. This is the guy who tried to tell you that Connor McDavid needs to play more defense to have any success in the playoffs. Okay. That's it. I'm putting a halt on the coaching search talk and we're transitioning to the playoffs. Because <laughs> Connor McDavid has 29 points. What? <laughs> it's been, what, 12 games? And Connor McDavid oh, has twenty six, not twenty nine. Or twenty six. I'm sorry. Twenty six each for Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaitel. We'll get to Drysaitel in a second. But hello, McFly. <laughs> By the way, do you know what twenty six points is? I, a lot. Well, yes. You know why? Okay. Because twenty six points in twelve games. You said. Is it? Is it less? No, no, no. It, I'm saying it's in twelve yeah, games. Yeah, yeah. Done this. That's exactly half of the points that the Flyers' leading scorer had this year. Sorry, I had to go there. This really is rock bottom. <laughs> there were only not, hold on. There were only nine players on the Flyers in an eighty-two game season that managed twenty-six points. Let alone, you know, let alone what Connor McDavid oh. and Leon Draisaitl have done in two rounds of the playoffs. Insane. 
absolutely absurd. I got to give Drysaddle the bigger props here for saying I'm not not to take away from McDavid. McDavid's the best player in the world. I've said that before. Right, but Drysaddle is doing this on one leg. Right, he's not close to a hundred percent, and he looks like he is even better than normal. <sighs> what like what is he what is he like a transformer where okay, like so a leg hurts but something formed there that heals it magically so he gets to play at high le- at the highest level. You know how hockey players are the toughest of the major sport athletes, right? <laughs> Football, whatever. But generally speaking, I would I would put hockey players up there in terms of toughness. Mm-hmm. German hockey players, forget about it. They're he's literally just a Sherman tank. <laughs> He is just an actual tank that does whatever he wants. So, uh, and I what think, he wants to do is win. So, I, hold on. So, I take it is, is this a series we're starting with? Yeah, we have to. Okay, that's fine. No, I'm just making. I mean, we can start with any of the three that are actually done. Absolutely. So the Battle of Alberta did well, not last as long as any of us thought it was going to. Um, I think pretty much everybody, even through four games. Pretty much everybody had this series going six or seven. At least I, I certainly did. Instead, we got maybe the craziest five-game series in NHL history. I, it's, it was a circus. Game one, nine to six, five to three, four to one, five to three, five to four. The scores were pretty normal after that, but that's still pretty high scoring for a playoff series. But we started with a nine to six. The only word I can use, the only word that's appropriate, Nine to six. Here we go. is bar- barn burner. No, I wasn't even making a joke. Like, oh, I know. No, the uh, game was just a barn burner, and like, I I know, no pun intended, Calgary Flame, whatever. <laughs> but it's a barn burner. The Saddle Dome was on fire that night. We sure that's and, not just from the fact that they scored nine goals. Well, as, as that's a team part of it. Oh, so they wore out every feature that they've got when they score a goal. Brady Kachuk delirious in the crowd. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, his brother scored a hat trick in that game, so you I, can't bl- you can't blame him. No, but you know who I can blame? Keith, throw your hat. <laughs> Th- throw what? your hat, Keith. What? It's his favorite hat. It, it's your son's saying. playoff hat trick. He can get it back for you. <laughs> they just. Hey, son, get me my hat back. Okay, Dad, no problem. I'm the guy who scored the hat trick. <laughs> Hello? I know, I know. It, it, that's really, it's really funny. Um, this has not been a good round for me. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've been wrong on a lot of stuff. Yeah, I, <laughs> I certainly didn't have Edmonton winning in five. Like, uh, I, I, I did not have Edmonton winning the series. I so. don't think I did either, but I think I had it going six or seven. So, I, I had, mean... I had Calgary in seven, which, by the way, so there you go. It's your toss-up. Well, right, which means I can see either team winning the series, but I really did think it was going to take seven. It was a close series. Yeah, you, it was you know, a, I mean, way a closer fun series. Than, well, because here's the thing. Those two 5-3 games that come out of it, because Edmonton wins a couple games by th- those types of scores, they're pretty cl- – like, Ed, or Calgary got off to the same kind of really hot start in game two that they did in game one. Like – they were off to that kind of start. Before you could blink, it was 2 nothing. Right. They just weren't able to hold the – I mean – It was Jacob Markstrom. Markstrom was awful in the series. He yes. was – like, the rest of the team was fine. Like, they kept him in games. They kept things close. Like, they weren't perfect, obviously. They could have played better. 
Jacob Markstrom gave up some softies. Now here's the thing: it was it was Markstrom. I'm not taking away from because Markstrom all of a sudden went from outstanding goaltending, pretty much most like pretty much all regular season, and definitely had to go toe to toe in the first round of the playoffs. To, I mean, that's a goals against every single of minimum of four. I mean, I'm not going to look it up exactly for what it was in the series. I could look up his overall playoff total, but... Uh, I know at one point I saw that this series had the second most goals in playoff series history. Right. Do you know what series it was behind? I mean, are we, is it Flyers-Penguins 2012? Sure is. Of course it is. And you know what? After game one, it felt a lot like that series. After but, game three, when Milan Lucic runs Mike Smith... Do you know? Do you know what's funny, by the way, about that series, that 2012 series? Now that I'm thinking of it, the thing about this series, when you're talking about the amount of goals scored, was is that the first game set the tone, right. nine to six. Right. The first game of the Flyers Penguins series that year was nothing more than a four to three overtime final. I know which, it was just a tight no, game, which by all standards is normal. Right. No, then you got eight five and ten to three in there and stuff like like you know what I mean like yeah, but then it it secured back up. The last two games were three two and five one. You know, relatively normal scores. Relatively speaking, okay, I mean, yeah, I, five one is a little bit out there, but one of them was an empty netter, Braden Shen. Okay, that's fair, but either way. But yeah, yeah it, it, it felt al- it also probably set the modern record for penalty minutes in a playoff series. Well, and I think this one probably gave it a run for its money. Um, uh, this one probably needed the sixth game that that, fly- that Flyers Penguins yeah. series got to get there. Yeah, because it was getting there, man. This. Well, let's put it this way: if Leon Draisaitl had more points in this series, like McDavid had more points in the first round series against LA, Draisaitl had more points in this series. He had seventeen, and he also had. If every single had, every single Calgary Flames stick hacking across his ankle for games sure. three, four, and five. If he gets one more game, if Calgary wins that game in overtime instead, if he gets one more game, the record for most points in a playoff series was 19. Oh, wow. He was going to do it. Well, and here's the thing. This is what makes it so impressive. He gets 17 and five. Mario Lemieux got 17 and six. Wow. Gretzky got... Uh, 18 in six. Wow. And then I think it was Rick Middleton has the record at 19. Here's but the it thing. took seven. Here's the thing, though. He's... And Leon Dreisaitl won't make the trade. Okay. If Calgary wins that game in overtime, they win the series. Ooh, that's interesting. 100%. Because, okay. I mean, you're, you're, co- you're like, it, yeah, 100%. Because that game, that series was so swingy that a swing like that, if Calgary had swung back, they were rolling. Calgary needed to take. There were two swings where Calgary needed to take the momentum, and right. they didn't. One being, look, your season's on the line. You need that overtime game when it's a toss up. Right. But when they tied the game, they tied game four on probably the flukiest goal I think I've ever seen. <sighs> yeah. They needed to win that game, and they gave instead they gave up the game winner with under three minutes to go. Yep. Or with a little over three minutes to go. Yep. That can't happen when you're. In, when you're already trailing in the series, and too many times in the playoffs, three to one going down three to one feels like a bit of a death sentence too, because yeah. there's there's a lot to overcome in the following three games to put together a three game winning streak. You got to beat a very good team three times in a row. Well, and and it only gets like the reason why we still as like when we do flyer stuff, why we still marvel about 2010 and the Boston series is because. 
the further into the playoffs you get, the harder it gets to mount yep. that kind of a comeback. Right, and that you was in might, the second round. You might be able to, and there are, I think there are teams that actually have that haven't finished the job completely, but that have gone from 3-0 to 3-3 right. and get it to a Game 7, and you're going, wow, that's amazing that this is even possible. Right? Yep. Like, But in the first round, you're still competing with teams that may have just barely gotten into the playoffs that, like, you don't, you know, that that can have something where that underlying injury from all the extra games that you played with full, you know. Making the first making the first round of the playoffs is a lot like community college. It's kind of high school plus, you know, the the first round is kind of regular season plus. (laughs) There's well, there's there's a lot of teams that end up end up on a level playing field because they're not necessarily elite, but they're not necessarily like they're not bad. Right. Like. The thing that also makes comebacks like that impressive in the second round or beyond is that once you fall behind in a series like that, now you've got guys who you know are playing hurt. Like oh, yeah. Now, now you're too far into the playoffs that you've got guys playing hurt. Right. Good like luck. everyone knows Leon Dreisaitl's ankle is hurt. They're going after it. You know, the thing that kind of gets me about that series, too, because we were we the group chat was really going back and forth during game one. Well, yeah. It, well, it it was. This was a. It's a tough series to kind of be active during to an extent because it, you, we can't deny it. it's it's the latest series in the bunch. Yeah, it was a little. It's tricky. getting the last start. Right. So it's, every it, night. So as you're getting closer to the end of these games, it's a little hard to do this, at least or at least to communicate with a bunch of people who are all on different schedules. Right. I, like I'm definitely still sitting. Up Central sta- Central Standard Time is coming in clutch. I'll tell you that much. That's for sure, and it'll continue. It will continue to for you during the next. Two oh, yeah. rounds, I'm sure. Um, but the thing, because I said it right off the bat in game one. If you've got Connor McDavid, the game is not over. No. It's never over. Nope. Th- that's the thing, though. I don't know if I felt that way for Calgary. Like, okay. Like, when Calgary would fall behind in a game, I'm not sitting there going, oh, you know. like, like, And it's funny. They actually did mount the comeback in game four. Well, to get and, it tied, but and their, and their top line did produce, right? Kachuk, oh, yeah, Gaudreau, it's, not, they did. Like, it's it's it to me. It was the lack of. It's not that the lack of production because those guys did produce in in multiple games. It wasn't just they came back in game four, game five. Those guys actually were giving you something because Gaudreau scored his first goal of the series in that one. You know, like you're getting stuff from 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 the right players. I think Lindholm had a goal in that game. Like, yeah, yeah. their that line was doing what it had to do. The thing was that um, I just didn't get the sense, even with how good that top line was during the course of the season, I didn't get the sense that you could sit there confidently and say, you know what, like when you talk about having a McDavid, it's just never over. Uh, right. And there's, <sighs> there is this otherworldly plane that only mm-hmm. a few players inhabit, right? Yes. And. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl happen to be two of them that can do it on the same team. Sure. And, and like, can... it's absolutely insane because we've talked about Sidney Crosby. We've talked about Connor McDavid doing it. Leon Dreisaitl doing it. Another player that can do it is a player that they're going to be facing in the Eastern Conference Finals. Because I have absolutely... Or in the, what, in the, West, in the West Or in the Western game? Conference Finals. I'm yeah. sorry. Because I have on more than one occasion watched Nathan McKinnon take over a game. I I want to I want to sit there and talk before we get into the West final yeah. completely because yeah. I don't I want to stick to I did want to jump to the other series in the second round yeah 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 I was just transitioning over to Colorado yeah. so I don't want to just jump into like hey second you know Western Conference no, 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 final no, no, right. preview right now um by Colorado, the way Colorado had to be nervous oh I'm sure 
By the way, the only series I got right. Okay. Perfectly right. I was close. I had Colorado in five. I didn't quite give Nashville enough credit, and I'm not going to lie to you. When Nashville won game. Or St. Louis, rather. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie. Yeah, you're right. Uh, When St. Louis won game five, I got a little nervous. Right? Because Colorado kind of has that reputation that Washington had for a couple of years with that second-round hump. I was nervous for okay for in game six. I was nervous for them with impending overtime. Yeah, there's 20 seconds left in regulation, and you think overtime's coming. And I'm going, I don't like this for Colorado. I mean, that's a game that if you lose, you're you're in tough spots for the series. Like, well, just sure, men, like, just mentally. Like I looked at that and I went, a lot of because there were a lot of people that believed that that series was going seven when it went back to St. Louis, and I'm like, you know what? If it goes overtime, I'm buying in now. Okay. I'm really buying into that possibility because this is anything can happen territory. And, you know, Man, I mean, here's, is... the, here's, here's the thing. The night before Edmonton had won in overtime because McDavid scored the goal. So I also was in my mind thinking if Colorado is going to do it, it's going to have to be Nathan McKinnon. Right. Right. Instead, well, I, maybe not. Maybe, like, actually, maybe it's Darren Helm. Well, no, I, I would have picked another star. Like I was at if because if not Nathan McKinnon, then what? Maybe Kale McCarr. Like right. it's going to be somebody big. Maybe maybe Gabe Landeskog, the captain Rantanen. of the team. Rantanen hasn't really scored in the playoffs. And he's been though. he's been quiet. He's been the setup guy. So I would even maybe even Gabe Landeskog, who as the captain of that team has gone through hell and back as you know somebody who's been there for the probably the longest. You know, okay. of that yeah. core group that For you sure. sit here and you go, because uh, guess what, what, what we're not talking about? Yes, this is Nathan McKinnon's first trip to a conference final. It's also Gabe Landeskog's. And we're not talking enough about that. Right. Like, here's that's a guy who I, I mean. Have we actually I because well, I because even, you know, Darren Helm. Yes, we're going to get into him for a second here. But Darren Helm at least has won before. Yeah, because he he was he was around long enough in Detroit to go back to the previous cup that they've won. And you know what? I do want to give Darren Helm credit because he didn't make the call or the uh, the St. Louis fans sit through a whole intermission just to score early in overtime. He gave them the opportunity to go home a little early. That whole play. It's very polite. It's crazy. It, it like because nothing about it is actually really crisp. Like the Logan O'Connor makes a pass across ice that goes off the boards and he's just there in open space. And in fairness, Let's a rip. but right in fairness to him, there's five seconds left. Let her go. Right. By all means, you don't, if have you're, if else. you're at home, every fan's going shoo. I mean, you might as well. There's five seconds left. Yep. By, by, by the way, great, great call on the broadcast. Oh, Brendan Burke is really good. I like him a lot. Did you hear the radio? Did you hear the radio call? I believe I did. Yes. Oh my god! You know what? You know what it is actually. I think I had heard the Colorado radio, and I want to hear like same thing. I heard the Edmonton radio for McDavid's. I want to hear the other side too. Like you want to hear that? Yeah. I need the away radio too. You're a masochist, huh? No, I just uh, please. You know what happens here? I watch losses on a regular basis. I kind of need to hear both sides of the equation. I, oh, love, I, I love I love no because I love compilation videos like that where they play all of them. Here's how it was on TV. Here's the here's the home radio call. Here's the away radio call. We got all of them. You know I like all of it. You're a sick man. No, I'm a broadcast. You you enjoy uh, hearing I'm, people's pain. You're, I'm a, you're no, a sick I know, man because I like the, I like it for the good of the of the positive radio call too. Like I like the whole picture. All right, broadcast junkie. That's what I would say. I guess Colorado, St. Louis. Who you got? Oh no! No next one. Or, now? Or Colorado Ed, or um, 
Yeah, Colorado Edmonton. Who you got? Oh, Let's oh, go. So into we're doing, we're doing this right now. We're going to go back. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we do uh, conference by conference here. All right. I am look. I am going to stand by everything that I've gone through so far. Okay. I've got Colorado in the final. I've had Colorado in the final from the very beginning of the playoffs. I, I had Calgary in the final. Rip. Okay, there you go. But I've had Colorado all along. So why would I change it now? I do not think that this is going to be an easy series. No. This is, to be honest, this now needs to be the series that we thought the Battle of Alberta was going that, to be. Well, we need, this this needs distance. This needs this one screams seven games to me. I think, yeah, I think this series depends on Mike Smith, and if heavily. If yeah, and if he finally runs out of gas, I could see Colorado winning this in five. Yeah, five or six, maybe. Like six more. But I don't think place. that's going to happen. I think the the Oilers will – I think the Oilers steal at least one in Colorado. I, I, I'm really curious to see, especially from the very start of it in game one, I'm really curious to see if this turns out to be as much of a track meet as – the Battle of Alberta turned into to an extent what? With, with the and high-powered I'm, offenses because they both I'm can score. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that Colorado took care of business because then everyone just gets like three full days to rest. Oh, yeah, or yeah, two, yeah, An extra full day off to rest. Yes. And game one should be a track meet, like you said. But here's the thing, though. In a track meet, I'm not betting against Connor McDavid. Well, right. Well, and here's the thing. Don't tell me. I know, like you pulled out. You already played the Mike Smith card here, and that's that's fair to do. I mean, yeah. the guy let in a shorthanded goal from center ice and threw his hands up in the air like somebody else was at fault for it. <laughs> like he got um, bumped, right? right. Um, I'm not completely convinced with Darcy Kemper either. He's I don't some, disagree with you. He's had some moments. Like I don't know that he has completely stolen you a game yet. The way that, like. If Tarasen- St- Tarasenko aside, I think Edmonton has better shooters than St. Louis. Yes. And St. Louis made him look mortal. Right. Like I'm nervous if I'm if I'm a Colorado fan. I just think it's this it's you're getting like it's it's almost unfair to do this. I know why we're all doing this. It's the easiest thing to do. I even tweeted afterwards because it's the easiest way to go with this and the easiest angle to take. It yes, it's McDavid Mc- McKinnon. It, yeah. it's, it's the matchup that everybody's kind of been waiting for. And that's both, how the NHL should be marketing. Right. It. Both guys, first conference final. Somebody's getting to their first Stanley Cup final. One of these guys, because I said, I said it when I made my, made my, did my spot on 97.3 this week. We, I think we've been waiting. You know, Crosby got to a cup final pretty quickly in his career. Ovechkin didn't until 2018. Right. And that was a, it was a big deal just for him to make it, let alone win it. It's going to be a big deal when McKinnon or McDavid make their first cup final appearance. Well, and one of them's guaranteed to. And one of them's going to. And it's which is why it's a big deal that this is their first conference final. I agree. You can go, well, one of them's gotta win. So somebody's getting here for the first time. I think it's unfair that we're not able to talk about everybody way more because That's it's fair. not just McKinnon and McDavid. Drysidel's been off the charts good. Nazem Kadri has been fantastic. On on Colorado side, it's yeah. McK- it's McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen, Kadri, McCarr, like Devontae's has had a great playoffs. I, like they're well, just incredible. Point, and at some point, you cut it off. Like at Devontae's, I kind of cut it off from the super, from the superstar level, and I go, "You're just an, a really good a really good player that fits into that his role perfectly." Yeah, that's valid. Like, like you're just a really good player. 
it's even, you know, it, well, I don't, I was about to say it's even a good coaching match. Edmonton's still using an interim coach technically. But how not, long? Not has, for long. But here's the thing how long has Bednar waited to get to this point? Well, and that's why I mentioned a little earlier in our coaching conversation. Right. If they hadn't gotten over the hump. I don't necessarily know if Jared Bednar gets fired just because they've been such a good team over the last couple of years. But at some point, somebody's got to pay the price questions. for that. Yeah, right. You start asking questions. Yep. So could Barry Trotz get us over the hump? And then, and then on, Ed, on Edmonton side, sure, we're not talking about Drysaddle as much as we could, obviously, in that because it's you're saying McKinnon, McDavid, right? But you know, love him or hate him, Evander Kane's been a scoring machine in the playoffs. And, He's been and, a monster. And in the last series in particular, look at Zach Hyman coming out and lighting it up every night. I mean, he scored, he scored in every game in the series. And I'm not surprised because that series was physical and chippy, and Zach Hyman loves that kind of stuff. Well, and, and, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins had a good series. Yep. D- defensively, you're getting performances, you know. Taylor Yamamoto had a good series, too. You know who I thought had an incredible series, and I, you know— Defensively, I think the focus on for Edmonton falls to Darnell Nurse, and and there's definitely and he was solid, and and there's definitely focus on Duncan Keith as a guy who's gone through this multiple times. The guy who's impressed me a lot, Evan Bouchard. Okay, he's been really good in this. I, I really thought you were about to say Cody Cece. No, no, no. I I think <laughs> Bouchard was a high draft pick, and right? Like all now, it's like it's all coming together. He's he's yep. emerging in these. He's emerging the way like if the last round it was again, ironically enough, against Calgary, if the last round it was you can't ignore Jay Gottinger anymore. He's the guy now. Bouchard's got a high Bouchard's place. the same way. Bouchard has probably solidified himself as a top three defenseman on that team now. OK. And like, and for a long time, that wasn't saying too, too much. But no, but like Cody CC is what he is. Right. I, yeah. Like Duncan Keith's not going to be there forever. Darnell Nurse is pretty much the number one guy. He is going to be there forever. Yeah, and signed the big contract. Right. But Bouchard's coming along on such a trajectory right now that I'm like, this is, he's impressed me so much in this, in this thing. And then, you know, it's because it's funny. Goaltending wise, it's not even close to the two teams with the best goaltending from a collective standpoint in the year. But, you know, that's. You know, that's okay. There's only one elite goalie remaining in these playoffs. Pretty much. I mean, I, I'd be curious. Well, no. There's not. Healthy. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. There's, there's not. I mean, you're I, right. don't, I, I can't two. guarantee. You're right. I can't guarantee that there's two that are going to play in the East final. Right. But there are two elite goaltenders left in this playoff. All right. So give me give me a prediction here for the Western Conference Finals, and then we'll uh, flip over and, and talk about the East. Colorado in seven. Colorado in seven. Okay. It's going to be a great series, though. Lots, <sighs> lots of offense. You know what? This series, this, these playoffs have just been fantastic. Mm-hmm. We have gotten some incredible stories. We've gotten some really good kind of cliche things happen in a good way. Uh-huh. Uh, this feels a lot like a return to normalcy in terms of the playoffs and kind of how it all feels. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a good thing. It's a very, yeah. very good thing. Oh, it's been so much fun to watch. Connor McDavid is going to make the Stanley Cup Finals. Okay. Listen. And I, I say it like that on purpose because I think it's Connor McDavid and Co. Okay. Uh, I, I think he is going to do. I, 
I think there's a chance he he talks he gets close to that playoff points record that we just touched on with Dry's Idol hitting in the second round. Nineteen points. I, I think if this series goes six or seven, Connor McDavid could very easily challenge that number. So he's okay. also on pace to do Gretzky like things, by the way. I don't I'm, know if we've mentioned that. Can I make a bold prediction now based on what you're talking? Okay. If the Oilers do make the cup final, because I don't know if there's a way for this to happen without it. McDavid like, wins Art Ross no, or McDavid wins the Con Smythe no matter what. McDavid might win the Con Smythe no matter what. I agree. I one hundred percent agree. And it depends on it, it depends on what elite goalie is on the other side and sure, how that but, series looks. But yes, I agree with you. I I believe it's something that hasn't happened since Jaguar in 03. Uh, I'm a player on the losing team won a con smite if it were to happen. I believe you're correct. And I don't know if a skater has ever done that. Um, that's a good question. Right? Because I know know, you're thinking of Hextall. I know Ron Hextall did it. Right. And there's not a whole lot of con smite winners out of the losing team. Oh, um, 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 wait, I think Reggie Leach did it. Did he? The losing effort. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, the Flyers have a lot of history with the Conn Smythe and losing, apparently. But, um, but, but, bottom line. Okay, so I have I, o- I, the Oilers I really in seven. Believe that, but I really believe that if he makes a cup final, win or lose, he might be your Conn Smythe winner. I don't disagree with you at all. Because um, he's having that incredible of a playoff that I think that you have you have no choice but to acknowledge it. You have to consider it. it. Yeah. You have to acknowledge it. Uh, and, Oilers, Oilers in seven. Okay. And one, like, look, like I've always said all it's along. It's the coin flip. If it goes, if it's seven, if I feel like it's going to go seven, it means I can see either side. And I really, to be honest, the last two games of that series are what turned me on that. Yep. I think in general, I would have just said Colorado. I would have moved on. I would have made it quick and easy. I, actually, if Calgary would have found a way to win that series, I probably would have said Colorado in six. Uh, I do also want to mention real quick before we move on. Yes, I do indeed believe that Blake Coleman scored, and that it's a conspiracy oh, to get the, Connor McDavid through. I don't but know. But here I we don't are. know about through. Okay, I cannot. I cannot vouch for that. I believe that it was. A, I do believe it was a conspiracy to get this that game overtime. Okay. It was close enough to the end of the game, which, by the way, I find foolish. The team's up three to one, and you got two of the best players in the world on the other side that you're going to give an empty net situation to. Right. With two minutes left. I think that they might be able to find a way to score a goal in a series that had a ton of goal scoring. Yeah, but you still got to do it. Like I would have, actually, I would have more appreciated. Like to be honest, if you really wanted McDavid to make the next round and did it in a conspiracy way, you would have had the extra home game. Yeah, you're right. Then, then you would have said we're setting this up so that he has to win it at home. That's fair. So I think that that, that that's a little extreme. I get where people are coming from with that. I do also agree. That was a good goal. There was no distinct kicking motion whatsoever on that play. No. I'm sorry. There were a lot of people pulling out receipts. From the overhead angle, I will give this the credit it needs. From the overhead angle, yes. it looks like he thrusts his leg towards the goal line a little bit. My issue is he looks like he, he's starting to fall over. I agree. No, I agree. You're losing and control of what your body's doing, and on, it's off his skate. On the whole, I am in agreement that this is a goal, but that one particular angle, I will agree that it does look a little bit like he is pushing his foot forward to attempt to kick the ball. So there there were people who kept receipts, like there were okay. people who were pulling up videos of other calls this year. That oh, yeah. Oh, the, um, yeah, do you know the what one was the, the, 
the big egregious one. Well, one was an Ottawa one because he turns his skate and literally directs it. But there was another one. I know, I know, I didn't see it right away, but it was later. I saw it, and I don't remember which game it was from. Yeah, I can't you, remember. No, but you know which one come, came to mind for me, and I could have pulled up the video. I didn't do it because I wasn't going to harp on it. But okay, like it's not a big deal to me. Like it happened, it's over, it's done with. Edmonton still could have won the game in overtime. You know, there was enough time left to tie the game and then win it. Let, like, right. let's let's be real. And they were up in the series three one, so they probably were moving on anyway. Right. But uh, do you remember the goal back? And this is a while ago. This is pre Elaine Vigneault getting fired in the oh, Flyer Jesus. season. Um, goal. No, there, I don't remember. Okay, well, black that out. Well, there was a goal against Toronto, or that Toronto scored in November. William Nylander. I think I do remember. It went this off one. his the toe of his foot. He didn't exactly kick it. His foot moved like a kick later after he right. hit it. But he definitely tried was, to kick it. Well, he tried to direct it. He moved his foot knowing it was the only part of his body that was going to get on the puck. Right. And that was called no goal on the ice and overturned to a good goal. Right. Yeah, and the fact like, that this was called we, a good goal and overturned to no goal is what got me. Like, if they had called it no goal on the ice... Hang I, on a minute. You know, hang on a minute. Hello, right. Hello, gray area calling. Um, are, you know. Kevin, are you trying to imply... That there nobody is a, knows what this is. That there is occasionally some inconsistencies with how the NHL makes calls. I just thought that that was a pretty bad one. Yeah, you wouldn't be trying to imply that, would you? That would be no. Come on, Colin Campbell doesn't. No, never. Oh, what? what I'm sorry. Am I going to get it? What? Am I supposed to get an email later about the fine that I get for that? Right? Or maximum allowable under the CBA. I mean, I can I can pay it. I would appreciate it if I didn't have to, though. But I would, you know. Well, the equivalent for you would be like a buck fifty. You're fine. Okay, fair. <laughs> I can do a buck fifty. <laughs> All right, um, on to the Eastern Conference really quick. Just skip some avocado toast. You'll be okay. Um, all right, so East Coast, we got to talk about the conf- or the the series that has ended first. We'll talk about the game seven on Monday in just a minute. Uh, I don't know if either one, anybody on planet Earth outside the Tampa Bay organization was expecting this result. Uh, uh, the, the Yeah, the overall end result, yes. The team that won, maybe it, not. Right. But I'm talking about an absolute... That's, a, that's an ass-whooping. There's no other way to say it. Florida... Okay. They kept things competitive for the most part. For the most part. But they were, ne- they were never a threat to win the series. Did they hold the lead at any point? Yes. Um, in game one, I know they led... Because they did win. They, they held the lead in game one for two minutes and 21 seconds. They might have at one other point in time. Too. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to look, but uh, game one, they held the lead for two and a half minutes. Uh, game two, Corey Perry scored first. Game three, Corey Perry scored first. Game four, the Panthers didn't score at all. Right. Florida Panthers held a lead for two minutes and 21 seconds in that entire series, and it was in game, in the first period of game one. Uh, okay, so here's here. You want my take on the series? Then, I mean, I yeah, know you, I know you do because we're doing a show. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm not going to talk about Game Four. I'm not even going to talk about Game Three because those two games, in the grand scheme of things, didn't matter to me. The series ended on Ross Colton's goal with four seconds left. Yes, that's it. End of conversation. End of story. Yep. The, if if because everything lined up perfectly for Florida in that game at that point. Okay, you know what. I don't, I don't know that you win game two. And if you lose game two in overtime, yes, I probably feel the same way, but it was overtime. I may change my thought about that if you come back in game three and have a competitive game. You just showed you could get them to overtime. Right. Game you, two. You, 
mistake for game like for that. game two at home to right. end like that. You make a mistake like that yep. and stop essentially stop playing in the final ten seconds, assuming overtime, and get beat by a team that has been there, done that two years in a row. You're it's over. That's a, that's a spirit breaker. Um, that's one of those things that. Uh, this team is going to change, right? Claude Giroux is probably not coming back. They have some other names that they have to re-sign, move around. This is the last run for this particular group for the Florida Panthers. Yes. But Jonathan Huberdeau is never going to let that happen again. Barkov is never going to let that happen again. They shouldn't. All right. The guys who were there, the guys who are staying, the guys who are that core are never going to let that happen again. Yeah. it's. I mean, that's... Because you're right. That, that goal, Ross Colton single-handedly broke the Florida Panthers. Well, and here's – because here's the thing. Competitive series in the sense that, you know, like I go back to game one. You're right. They they barely – like I know they barely led in game one. Right? Like they led for two minutes. They get the first goal. By the way, Corey Tampa. Perry scored Tampa's first goal in the first three games of that series. Oh, wait a second. Corey Perry was electric for that. No you said, pun that, you said they led for two minutes, right? Yeah. No, that's not true. Is that not true? No, because it was sixteen twenty-two of the second period, so they led. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. But then again, so game one, you're going to the third period, tied one-one. Game two, you're in the third period late, and it's one-one. Game four, you took forty-nine shots on goal and lost two to nothing, with one of the goals being an empty netter. Right. Like, it's competitive, but you do not have that extra gear. It's like Florida does not have that extra gear. Uh, right. They don't because have if, that next level. Well, because if that's the case, you wouldn't lose the win a period, win a game, third or, you know, third period of game one. Yep. You wouldn't give up the goal with four seconds left in a game that should go to overtime. And I can't even sit there and say anything about game four because of the fact that game four... you Andre you, Vasilevsky was absurd. I believe the words that I used were, this is, you know, this is elimination game Vasilevsky or playoff clincher Vasilevsky. Like, you're getting that guy that night tonight. Andre Vasilevsky is the biggest threat to Connor McDavid for the the Smythe Trophy at at the halfway point of the playoffs. Uh yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think it's a two horse race. If their teams make it, those are the guys. The well, the reason why you feel that way from Tampa standpoint is because of the fact that there's not exactly. I mean, who's the biggest guy who's emerged for them from a point production or goal scoring standpoint? Is it Corey Perry? Quite frankly, it's probably Corey Perry. Right. Like I said, he scored the first goal in that series 30, in the first know, three games. What, 37-year-old Corey Perry? Like, Who cares, man? No, the guy who probably made the smartest decision in the world when he said, if you can't beat him, join him. Oh, yeah. Two years running, losing in the cup final. Yep. And, man, I want to go back and see. Like, I wish I'd, like, I hope there's audio of what was said to him by John Cooper in that handshake line last year. By the way, <laughs> Pat Maroon, 14 straight playoff wins. Because he's because he's got that St. Louis year in too. The, um, John Cooper said it after the whole thing because he even said winning, you know, this many in a row anyway, winning that many series in a row, which they're up to ten. He goes, yeah, ten in a row, crazy, is incredible. Yeah. He's done it fourteen times. Fourteen. He's got a whole extra four here. Like it's insane. Um. So okay, we're. I mean, they're approaching, and you and I look. I gotta give you credit for this because you turn around and right after they won in the first round. We're like, okay, it feels like they're going to go back. They're rolling. They're running it back. Yep. And I'm on board with 
enough of that now. I stand by sweeping the president's trophy winner well, is enough to convince you. Sweeping the president's trophy winner without Braden Point, without you know getting much goal scoring at all from your top guys. Like I think they finally got some scoring from those guys. Like later, I mean. By the again, way, Vasilevsky forty nine save shutout in game seven. That's all you need to know. And the they, Tampa didn't score until six minutes into the third period, so he played well, the, the first full two periods shutout hockey. Well, they, relative, they, they, they thought they did goals that counted, right? Um, like so, Andre Vasilevsky had to be sharp because he didn't have any margin of error. Like, by, if, which by the way, the one was right. Right, the one off the faceoff was definitively right. No, I agree. You know, and then. I, I the only reason I was surprised by the other one was because they didn't have a good angle okay. to really say it went out of play. And they might have they might have had an angle that we don't have. I agree that by common sense, it hit out of play and shot back in. I get it, but I don't know that that was as conclusive as unless you can prove the way it. That, right. as, as the way that the hand clearly moved the puck. Right. Even I agree. Though he, even though his hand is on his stick, it's still the glove that is directing it. You kind of have no choice but to acknowledge that. But was Matt Duchesne offsides? <laughs> Only by about a mile and a half. Uh, he was in a different zip code. Uh, so <laughs> there's really um, not a whole lot to talk about. Uh, Tampa is doing Tampa things and has decided again. that. Right. And they took seven games against Toronto to get their feet wet, get warmed up. Remember what time of year well, it is. And now, the they're thing. Sitting, now they're sitting here going, all right. Well, and this is the thing. We're with, back. And, and I don't know who, look, for whoever plays them next round, if they make the final, whoever plays them in the final. Toronto did something in the first round that doesn't happen a lot to this team. They were vulnerable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When, when you have Toronto them, had them hurt. When you have them, and you, you'll get this one as much as anybody because I know you watch this type of stuff. If you have them on the mat, don't let them get up. Right. Like, you got to finish the job. If, they, if they're down, don't let them up. Yep. And Toronto let them up. And... And then what? I mean, that last series, that's the 15-second knockout right there. I mean, I'm right? so that's... proud of you for trying to make UFC references. It's hilarious. I hear you. But, <laughs> uh, I'm saying. Well, I, I, was, I'm, I mean, that's as much of a boxing reference as it is. You okay. Know. But am I right? Uh, that's, yeah. That, I mean, that, that's, that's your TKO right there. Right. Like, you know, because that, 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 well, it turned out to not be a fight. I mean, right. it's just not much of a fight when you go to – if you're getting swept in the second yeah. round. Yeah, and and we it's not much of a competition. Anymore. We would be remiss if we didn't mention Claude Giroux here because poof, he just looked so sad. <laughs> he looked he's man, and I'm not laughing at no, the pain he's, that he's feeling, but man, right. he looked so sad. He look, and he's he's as responsible for it as anyone else is. Like the whole team kind of just disappeared outside of. I mean, the, you know, the one guy I'll give credit to because he did he did everything he could. It's not Sergei Bobrovsky. No. Time. Nope. You know, everybody wants to sit there and play the playoff Bob card. It's not. It wasn't Sergei Bobrovsky this nope. time. It and was, he he proved himself. He belonged. He, you know. You know, it's just, yeah, it wasn't. Not this time. You went up against probably, probably the best team of the cap era. Absolutely. In, uh, in their third, like they're in full swing. Like. The way I described it when I was on the air this week, because I even said this is the closest thing we've seen to a true dynasty 
and I even said there have been great teams that we want to consider that, you know. And I and, and I, I I left you know one of the teams I left out that I know won much more consistently because I know Chicago won three Stanley Cups in the course of six years. I get right. that. I went back to Detroit because I go, you had a you know they they won back to back. They got a third one in there that wasn't that far in the future. Like you're still talking a good three and seven where two of them were back to back. It's the Iserman era. Like right. you can kind of pin it down to a group. By the way, quick segue, not to get off track. Yeah. The trailer for this unrivaled special that ESPN's gonna have on the Red Wings and the Avalanche. It's gonna be good. Oh my goodness, I can't wait e- for this. ESPN's production values are pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So I can't wait to see this. But because it's cause it's all those players that we're talking about. You're right. Um but to me, like I look at those guys and and like the way like I look at those teams and those teams that we would consider dynasties or try to consider dynasties, I don't know if you really can call them true dynasties. Like they're close, they're very close. They are the dominant teams of that particular time frame, but I don't know if they are the dy- like I don't know if we've seen one like this since the Islanders of the early 80s. Are the 2000 to 2015ish or uh, 2000 20-ish uh, New England Patriots. Is that a dynasty to you? Uh, okay, I'm just, I'm, just I, out of curi- no, I'm just out of curiosity. I'm, I know you're just yes. talking about hockey. I'm just trying yes. to define what you think a dynasty is. Yes, okay. because there's yes because there's two central figures to the whole thing. Totally. I agree. I, I think to be a dynasty, you have to do at least three and four or four and six. Okay, and so in fairness, uh, again, uh, it's not consecutively, but – the Edmonton team of the eighties falls in line too. Four Certainly. and five is very much a dynasty. Oh, and, absolutely. And then they won another one in nineteen ninety two. Right. So like it's not like there's there's five of them in the course of a, of an eight year span. Right. I mean, look, we're talking about a team that's made the conference finals six out of eight years, and in the six years, I mean, let's put it this way: Do you want to run down the six years exactly? Cup yeah. final. I mean, cup final, one game short, one game short, first round sweep, two cups. And then the one the one year they missed, just everyone was horrifically injured. Yep. Uh, and then I don't remember what happened the other year, but I imagine or, was well, that the I'm year so, Steven Stamkos broke his leg? I'm sorry, I I, I threw the sweep in there because I'm talking about the conference final appearances. That, oh, that oh, was, oh, you're the right. The years they didn't make the conference final was the year they got swept, and yes, the year and Stamkos then the year got hurt. everyone was horrifically right. injured. So the um, six the six conference finals are missed by or make a cup final, missed by a game, missed by a game. So two when Stan, two Stanley Cup wins and this. So when do we rename the Jack Adams the John Cooper Award? <laughs> By the way, I think I had said something about because we were talking about this last show, and I mentioned that coaches don't last for that long. And I said I said right. Cooper was the coach for the last eight years. He was the coach for eight years before he won a cup. Right. If he's got if, ten under his belt with this team. If John Cooper ever leaves Tampa Bay, thirty-one general managers should pick up the phone and fire their coach. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I'm um, not joking. I know. I'm literally not joking. We should get an entire clean slate, fantasy draft the coaches, NHL 22 style. Like, by the way, everyone should be fired. By the way, uh, your case to rename the Jack Adams the John Cooper Award doesn't hold any water because uh, he would actually have to win it. And apparently he doesn't get any respect to do it because, as we've said on this show before, it's the award for the coach that overachieves with his team. <laughs> Pretty much, right? I mean, that's the... That's the joke that we've made. It's that the Jack Adams is the award for the coach who overachieves the most. Oh, right. And the problem that's is the he most... set the expectations so right. high so that he it's doesn't do anything. The team right. is just good. So they go, okay, that's how it's going to be then, right? It's like, boring at this point, right? So 
It's like Patrice Bergeron with the Selkie. Like, he probably should be a finalist every year, but some years he's not just because he's so expected to be excellent. No, no, he's been a finalist, what, eight years in a row? I guess that's fair. Something like that, and he's 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 probably going to win it for the fifth time. Uh, Well, especially if there's that inkling that uh, he might be done. He'll definitely get one more as a lifetime achievement. I'm not convinced yet, but it's close. I I, 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 I agree. Nothing's been said yet, so I I won't be convinced until he actually says it, but... I think he's retired unless Quebec City gets a team. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's not happening this year. So I Well, guess right. Exactly. Um, I, well, I don't believe that because of the fact that basically I think I thought he said it's he's he's either only playing in Boston or he's retiring. So, yeah, he's going to stay in Boston and finish it out. I think if he plays, it'll be in Boston. I agree. All right. Well, do we want to get to this other series while we have? Yeah, we have a few one more minutes. We have one series left. There is a game seven on Monday between the New York Rangers and the Colorado or the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. And there's so many teams. Uh, and this series just just has been a great playoff series. It really has. I mean, this is this is your standard Eastern Conference. You know, going back to the Patrick division, you know, this would be a Patrick division series, right? Like going back in the day, just it's fantastic. Yeah, it's here's the thing with the other series that we've talked about already. It's really hard to argue because we at this point in time now, the four series have all gone different lengths. Someone swept. You had one that was done in five, one that was done in six. The one that finished in six ended in such a way that it was dramatic. It right. feels like you were that close to seven. Right. So Darren Helm scores lived, with five seconds right. left. So it lived up to the hype. The Battle of Alberta lived up to the hype in game, but the length, like we all thought it was going longer than that. And We all wish we had gotten a sixth or a seventh game. Well, there. it was just the way that everything broke, though. Right. Like Calgary was right there. The games were incredibly competitive. It just didn't end that way. Like, right. you know, and. You know, like it's that thing. So this is the series that I think has given us everything we expected. Of course, it was not the series that I had going seven. I had it going six. Right. Um, Carolina did everything in their power in game six to look as awful as humanly possible for parts of that game. I mean, they, they tur- like did they turn it on later and get beat by a good goaltender? Of course they did. Yeah. Like they were a shooting gallery at different points and turned it on. But the like the first period. Anti Ranta, thank you for playing tonight. I mean, yep. awful, awful game from and and that's why I think Carolina's still going to win the series because I think that now. First of all, I don't know why they are the way they are. Well, I, are you talking about the fact that they have two things are true about the Carolina Hurricanes? One, they have not lost at home. That's the first part. Two, they have not won on the road. And I, for the life of me, cannot figure out why they are like that. Like, why they are so different. Like, I, I can understand if you haven't won on the road or have not lost at home and you're getting some breaks. And it's two close, words. but you're doing it. But Well, two and a half words with a parenthesis in there. Okay. Rod Brindamore. Okay. You, you get line issue. You get line matching at home. It, I, you do. I think this series is so close and so tight and so competitive that that is literally the difference right now. Line matching to me was not the reason they lost game six, though. I agree. No, I agree. Like, to be honest, if, if, we're, if we're being real, I was shocked that they even made the goalie change. Because uh, on one hand, I get why you would do it. If you felt like the game was starting to get out of reach, yes, you're looking for some momentum changes there. But it's out of reach. Then rest Ranta for Game Seven. Well, I think that's the motivation, and maybe that's the motivation. But it got to two nothing, and I'm sitting here going, "Well, you can't pull him right now because you got to think you have a shot." So call your timeout. 
Right. Like, do something. You got to do something. This game's getting out of hand over, on you. Your goaltenders let in two really soft goals. I mean, just two brutally soft goals to start the game. Well, I, I mean, I, every, everything from there, I have no problem with. I mean, they gave up three goals after that. One's on a five on three. One was a backhander that I don't know if he could even have a prayer to stop it. As of know? as of five days ago, which is the latest update I can find. Okay. Frederick Anderson was practicing with the team. I hope that they think they're going to have him for the next round. I wonder if they think they're going to have him for Monday. So here's the, right. So here's the question though that I like. The best way I can look at this series, the question I got asked on the air, the first question I got asked about the playoffs anyway, was which team is better equipped to take on and compete with Tampa Bay? Carolina. My answer was very diplomatically, I guess. Carolina's the better team to be competitive with Tampa Bay, but I think that the Rangers have the one X factor, which is the goaltender. Because yeah. if you're looking for the goaltender who can take care of Tampa Bay, I think it's Shesterkin. I man, he's been otherworldly. Like he has been. Like we've talked about Vasilevsky, and he's been incredible too. You can't deny. Back to the wall. He had the best game he's had in the series. Igor Shosturkin has been nothing less than stellar. He was he was outstanding. He like we've talked about McDavid being uh, the Smythe finalist for the Oilers, and we've talked about Vasilevsky being the Smythe finalist for uh, Tampa. Shesterkin it's Shesterkin for the Rangers. Shesterkin has been living up to his Hart Trophy nomination. One thousand percent, he has played. And, and you're right. Hockey. You're right. If if that's the case, I you know, and again, it, like if by some chance, I don't think it's going to happen this way. But if by some chance we got an Oilers Rangers Cup final, <sighs> I think McDavid's in the driver's seat for the Conn Smythe win or lose. Who? Yeah. And, you know. Well, I don't know, man. If Shesterkin drags him to a cup. Yeah, well, then... Come then on. I, yeah, okay, well, see, here's the thing. Then I don't think that... I think that Edmonton would be winning the Cup. If, if McDavid comes out of that series, say that series goes seven games, and he comes out with two goals and two assists, and yeah. the uh, and the Rangers win, and they win the final one nothing. you're telling me Shostarkin's not getting the con Smythe? Get out of here. Right. Uh, and ob- Well, and here's the thing. Obviously, and not to go back to the West with it, but Edmonton's the one team that carries the hopes of an, an entire country. Right. Well, like, I don't necessarily know how much they care about that, how much they feel that pressure. But Well, no, no, no. But, well, he, yeah, but he's Canadian. He knows. That's fair. He, you know, he, he, and, and, right. ca- and carries the weight of that from 93. So, like, let's right. be real so, about this. Back on this, uh, back on this Carolina Ranger series. Right. Cause who, now we have to start looking ahead to whomever comes out of that. Right. And, and then from there, right. So, we'll, we'll play the what if game. Let's, okay. let's start with Carolina because they have that stellar record at home. And I'm not really willing to bet against them at this point. Right. And they have home ice for game seven. So, if Carolina goes up against Tampa, where are you at on that? Well, all right. So let me let me do this as the best way I can do this. Yeah. In my in my mind, I don't. I just don't feel like there. I don't see a way that Carolina loses this game because they've been that good at home. Like I agree. That this is they've now been involved in two seven game series. When they played Boston, they obviously looked like the better team in Game Seven after not at all looking like the best team in Game Six. Right. And I think you're getting the same equation here. It's going to need to be Shesterkin's absolute best if they're going to finally find a way to beat that team at home. Okay. If that's the case. It's going to absolutely have to be their best. But I think it's a lot closer than the other ones. I still give it to Carolina for now. Carolina was my pick going in. I give it to Carolina for now. Now you're asking me, like, Moving on, who they play. Yeah, how that series goes. I don't think it matters. 
Really? You think Tampa's just steamrolling, huh? I got Tampa in six no matter who makes it. Wow. Okay. And, I mean, the only thing that makes me hesitant about saying Tampa in six is the fact that if it is Carolina, which means that they are 8-0 on home ice in two series, then I, I look, I think... And they that, have home ice. They would have home ice against Tampa. Well, then, here's because here's my belief. Then I believe that we would come out of the first two games of the East Final if it's Carolina with a split. Okay. You think they get one? Right. I, like I, Well, okay. I think Tampa gets one somewhere in there. Right. And if that's the case then you already know what needs to happen. Yep. And Carolina's got to find a way to be better on the find road. Find a way to win on the road. Right. Uh, and I, I just get the sense that, and, and in that case, based on exactly what you said about Rod Brindamore, I think that's a case where, once again, I'm sorry, you get schooled by John Cooper. In Rod, we trust. To, well, when it comes to the line matching on the road, that's where you get schooled. If, you, if they find a way to steal a game on the road in Carolina – then I think that you lose the advantage because I don't know how you're supposed to. If you can't beat, you know, you're not beating Boston on the road, and you're not beating the Rangers on the road, and you're getting chances to do so, I don't know how you're supposed to beat this team on the road if you're already struggling in that respect. Like, That's it, fair. It, it, it becomes like right now, like I'm sitting here looking at it going, Rangers prove me wrong if you're going to move on and be the first to beat this team on the, on, on, you know, at home. So this Tampa is a, prove me wrong and beat this team on uh, at home. This and, is a this is a bit of a, a super nerd hockey take. Okay, but man, I really want to watch Stamkos Kucherov. I, I want to watch that Tampa first line mm-hmm. go up against the pairing of Pesci and Slavin. <laughs> I just want to watch that for five to seven games. Yeah, just real. give it. Just pump it directly into my veins. Um, okay. So I think if the Rangers win this game seven, uh, which is, I think, a distinct possibility, right? When you have Igor Shostakhin, you can't count them out because he it, can it, this just is decide the legit, to make 65 saves and win. This is the legitimate coin flip. Yeah, this is the right. legitimate coin flip. He can just wake up that morning and decide to piss excellence, and here we are. <laughs> and if if New York makes it through, I do think Tampa smokes them. I think it's uh, I, I think it's a six-game series, but I think it's more on the five or six-games side of things. Uh, I think if Carolina wins, I think I also think it's a six-game series. I agree with you. I think it's more on the six or seven-game side right. of things. Let me say um, this about it then, because here's the thing: at the very least, Carolina's followed the same path in both of these series. If they are going to move on, they'll have gone up 2-0, lost the next two, won Game Five, lost Game Six, won Game Seven. Right. They'll have never truly trailed in a series. The Rangers, in the meantime, down three one, and you know to come Pittsburgh. back, and then down two zero, come back the, down yep. three two. Like you're eventually playing the catch up game is Hurt going you. to catch is going to catch up to you. Yep, it, it takes a lot of energy to to come from behind. So. Like I think at least because Carolina has always, you no, know, even in the tied series, they've always been in the driver's seat to some capacity because you're never behind. Right. You have the control in front of you. You just need to be like. You go up 2-0, you lose the next two, you just got to be better than the last two in game five. Simply you, be better. Right, you lose game six like this, just got to be better in game seven. Yep. That's all it takes. And that's a mentality that I think helps them. When you're the Rangers, you know that you're one, ba- you're one mistake away, one bad game away from it all being over. And yep. eventually you're going to run out of energy. I would be I, – I, I look, I'm going to be curious as anything to see what happens. Uh, if the, the Rangers certainly, to me, have the one position player that changes the game for everything. Also, 
if it's Tampa and New York there, man, Corey Perry and Pat Maroon are going to be all up in Starkin's kitchen. They're yeah. going to be there and in the conference finals where yeah. murder is legal. Right. They're going to make his life miserable. But the league, right. like we know, like at this point, you know that the league needs an Edmonton, New York final. That wouldn't be bad. No, right. I think I pretty think on much. the revenue on the revenue look that would be pretty good for them. Yeah, I don't I don't look. I don't think we're gonna get it at all. But <laughs> well, you know, we will see. We will see. We do have a game seven on Monday. We will be back in two weeks to discuss. I mean, at that point, I believe we'll be talking about who's in the Stanley Cup final. Um, the, uh, I'm, go- I'm actually going to check that right okay. now because I do have all uh, the dates in front of me. So I it should be pretty days. close. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, follow us on Twitter at YWT Podcast. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. You can find the show everywhere you find your podcast. Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SportstalkPhilly.com. We're all over the place. So it's it's the same situation. The only way we are not talking about who's in the cup final is if we have Double one, sweeps. W- w- one or both game sevens. Oh, okay. In well, terms of like, um, yeah, because... Game seven of the West would be on that Sunday. Okay. And oh, we game... might just hmm, we might do a Monday show if that's if that's the only game hey, up. We might I, do a Monday show. I would not be opposed to that. And then uh, the other game seven, for whatever reason, I don't get this, but for whatever reason, is Tuesday <laughs> with a two day break in between games. I guess and seven, because because but... Carolina and New York can't play until Monday. I I don't know. Well, either no, way, no, well, no, because that make, it makes no sense that late in the series. So I'm assuming. My guess was that they made the schedule based on no matter who gets Game Seven. Meaning That's it fair. could be Carolina or it could be the Rangers. I don't know that there's anything happening in Carolina, but you're talking about a building like MSG. You probably have to do some scheduling gymnastics there at this time of year. Um, but let's put it this way: in my mind, that one's not going seven anyway. That's so fair. I think that. We may be looking at the game, like, and if that's the case, Although, I agree with. With how good these playoffs have been, I wouldn't be surprised. So no, I know. I'm. It, it, that's more me jumping to your side and going, "It's Tampa Bay. I can't do it anymore. They're just, right. you know, I think that it's going to be what it's going to be." But I do think that even like, yeah, I think if we get a game seven from Colorado Edmonton, we might just have to push that episode back a day. Yeah, we'll figure to, that out. To, when... to figure that out. Well, and here's the thing: I don't want to put it past us to be in preparation. I mean, like. like Maybe we should be prepared in any of these two-week gaps to jump in with a uh, emergency show. Yeah, oh, absolutely. If, if a coach gets hired in that time too, because I think that we're going to need to talk more about that. Uh, so, I agree. So, so we'll be prepared for that. If if something happens, obviously we'll jump in with a show. But if not, if not, we'll be back in two weeks and uh, getting ready for the Cup final. I can't absolutely. believe it's already. This is flying by. I don't like that. That, that that's the part I don't like. Yeah, we're already halfway through. Let's uh, stop, stop the ride. I don't want to get off. Well, uh, that and, t- and days like today when you're sitting here going, uh, there's nothing tonight. Oh, no. I know. But I'll take the fact that we got a game seven though tomorrow. You, I'll take the fact that we have that. There will be a new podcast episode to listen to tonight, and there will be a new one in another couple of weeks unless there's some breaking news in the meantime. So uh, in the meantime, like I said, follow the show at YWT Podcast. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. I already did the rest of the plug, so we're just going to go ahead and get out of here, and in two weeks, we'll see you.